All right, great to have all of you here. Um, you know what? What you guys were just doing—that's actually one of the reasons. Uh, if you're, if you didn't know this, uh, this is the second week of us doing two worship gatherings here, uh, nine thirty and eleven. And obviously, you can go to both, but I would, I would um, encourage you to select one. Um, just more that you get to know the people who would be here regularly. And what you were just doing was great because we had gotten to a point where it was so maxed in here. You, just, you had no idea who you were talking to. So it, it creates a little bit more space, hopefully a little bit more room to invite new friends in here as well and new guests, but also for you to get to know each other a little better. So continue to do that. I know it's not an easy thing to, for some of you, you're, you're real introverts. So the idea of coming to a place where you're having to say hi to strangers is like nightmare scenario. We're going to help you do it little by little. So I'm, I'm glad you're here to do that. What we did want to do as part of that as well, and we've been doing this more earlier in the year, but we do uh, something called Village Bricks. As we talk about this idea of being a church, being a community, in, in almost a pictorial sense, like building um, little bit by little bit, it requires every one of our lives bricks together to build this building, uh, this tr- thing called a, a village church. So every so often, we like to open up the mic and give you a chance if you wanted to share something briefly, and, and briefly is, is a key word there, um, about your journey, maybe something that's going on, um, maybe something really to celebrate, or something even that's a challenge. You know that, I mean, our church, it's about being real with what God is doing. So I wanted to open it up. If anyone would like to come up here and share real brief, introduce yourself and let us know who you are. And it's a great way to get to know each other as well. All right. Why don't we uh, welcome every person as they come up. Encourage them. Thank you. Thank you. I'll try to be brief. Thank you. Uh, some of you know me, some of you don't, but, uh, God has been leading me all. Oh, my name is Howard Groves. I live in the senior center just down the street, block and a half away. And God has been leading me here and everywhere. And now God is leading me to Israel. I'm going to go to Israel for about 90 days. And yeah, it's really cool. I'm going to go over to work, not be a vacationer or a, a tourist. Tourism. I will do a little tourism, by the way. And I've got a little paper here um, about myself, about the ministry. If anybody feels led to support me, that would be great, by the way. And I'll have some stuff in the back. And they're working on a major project. And that's the reason I'm going. A friend of mine, Yishai Reinhardt, who actually started the ministry, uh, war is coming to Israel very soon. And I'll be working on a project called MANA. Uh, I always laugh because he says, yeah, we're going to make manna. I said, yeah, really? <laughs> That's food, by the way. Manna, too. Boy, a quiet group here. Anyway, we're going to try to go ahead and assemble tons and tons of food so when the war hits, we will then, or he will then, have the food in large containers from ambulance all the way to the gigantic containers to distribute to the people during war. And that's why I'm going. Thank you. I'll keep it very brief. Thank you, Howard. Yeah, I would encourage you to check that out. Talk to Howard for more information as we pray for him and support him as you're led. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to share with the church uh, to come up to share your brick? All right. 
I, I realized that um, the changing dynamics uh, with the two services, it takes a little bit of getting used to each other, but I think God is doing some stuff. So you're going you're gonna to get more comfortable with each other. Um, I wanted to highlight along with that, last week we did more of this, so you can listen to the, um, the podcast that we have online to, for more information, but we talked about our community emphasis um, and really simply, we're having, uh, we're breaking up our church into, and I mean, we're still worshiping here on Sundays. We're also going to have city regions throughout uh, our beloved city of Baltimore, obviously here in Hamden. And you have this little insert inside of your bulletin that describes it. These, basically, these city regions are smaller than Sunday, but they're larger than a small group. And in a s- essence, this will almost be like a community you walk with. And we want to encourage you to get into one of these. Hamden, obviously, that's right around this area. Uh, St. Paul Corridor, which would be kind of Charles Village, Waverly, and then Northeast Baltimore, which is northeast of Baltimore. Um, and, and what this idea is, it makes church a little bit more manageable because realistically, we're at the point on a Sunday, you're just not going to be able to get to know everyone in the way that you might want to. On a more practical basis for me, um, and maybe this is even say, there's no way for me to be able to get to know every single one of you in the way I'd like to as well, and I'm not going to promise that. But what we have are community groups and as well as within these city regions to try to provide more of that closer community. So check it out. We've got the contact information listed for each of those and find out what groups are listed in each of those. And we should have a list of that as well coming up. But we want to just, especially as God continues to grow things at the church, we need to fight for community because it doesn't always just happen organically. We need to have these things to provide a place to be with together. So um, we are starting a new series today, which always gets me hyped, but we're talking about uh, the church on the move, and we're looking at the book of Acts. And just for you to know, we're not going to take like every single verse of the book and go through it, because at the pace that we go, we might be done by like 2022 or something like that. But we're going to take little chunks of the book of Acts here. And we're starting at the very beginning, but kind of um, almost in the intro to what we're going to talk about today, but even the whole book, um, it doesn't take a genius to know that we're a celebrity-driven culture. We are a culture that loves things like TMZ, extra, you know, whatever, whatever. Just we, we are enamored with people who will do nothing practically in our life at all. We're concerned with people whose lives mean absolutely nothing to us, but we love to know about it. And I would love to say that in the church, it's absolutely different. But sadly, even in the church, we kind of have this fascination with celebrity. And, and sometimes what, what that means is we believe that there are certain people who are somehow more important to the work of God. That maybe if they have more notoriety, God uses them more. And I, I think biblically there's some warrant to say God does anoint certain people. That There's a reason why names are listed in the Bible. Um, but I, I also want to suggest that the kingdom of God is more than just certain special individuals. But that God has given you and me exactly what we need for the mission of God to be accomplished in our lives. So that's what we're going to jump into today. I'm going to read from chapter 1, so you can follow along in the verses up there. If you want to pick up a Bible in the benches, you can feel free to do that as well. But starting in um, Acts chapter 1, and the author here is Luke. And he writes, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, for which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? 
He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let me pray for us as we go into the word of God. Heavenly Father, we, we ask just as we stand here and sit here and, and gather here, the thing about being this many people is, Lord, um, it's amazing how as many of us are here, we can bring in that many different weeks. That many different experiences, that many different heartaches, that many different celebrations. But it's amazing how you can take one word and speak to us in the way we need to hear from you for the sake of your glory. So do that right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do, uh, take just these words that can be so plain on their own and make them alive through you. So help us, Lord, to get closer to understanding your heart. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the author, as I mentioned, is Luke, and he also wrote another one of the books in the Bible, and um, it's called Luke. So it's, it's pretty easy to know that this uh, Luke was a doctor, and he actually, if you read later in the book of Acts, he traveled with some of the people who were on the missions, including Paul. So Luke was not just um, an observer, he was actually part of these things. And in the book of Luke, you would read, I encourage you to read it, it's part of the Bible, open source, it's all good. In Luke he describes the life and work of Jesus, ultimately to the point of Jesus is dying on a cross and his victory over sin and death, and then to the point where he rose from the grave alive. And after that, it describes that Jesus, he dwelt with his followers and taught them, as we see here, for 40 days. I mean, what a class, right, to sit with Jesus for 40 days and have him teach you after he's risen from the grave. And I got to be brutally honest you should always be thankful that, that Pastor Dan didn't write the Bible, because if I wrote the Bible, I'd be thinking, all right, man, Jesus, he died, and he was in the grave, but boom, and like special effects, and like smoke, and like all the like different HD, everything, boom, you thought Jesus was dead, but actually, he's alive, don't you do it, and he comes out of the grave, they thought they had put him down for good, but now he's back for vengeance. And Jesus is back, and he goes, it's like the Expendables, right? He goes, finds his followers, he says, yo, guys, you thought I was gone? I'm back! Let's go make things right. And they just go, go throughout Jerusalem and just make everything right. That, I mean, that's how I would have written it, and I got kind of a demented mind, right? Um, I would have thought it'd be amazing to have this comeback story about the resurrected Jesus himself who goes forth on mission, and who is going to doubt what he's done when they see him? after having died. But, but again, I didn't write it, and that's not what happens. In verse 9, Jesus is described as a t- ascending into the clouds as he makes his last appearance in the flesh. And can you imagine, it's not described here, so we don't know their exact mindset. Can you imagine Jesus' followers? That day, like, they had seen him die, or they had heard of it, and then they heard he rose in the grave, and then they saw him, and they're hanging with him for 40 days. And they're like, yes, yes, we thought that we picked a good team before, but then, oh, we picked a loser team, but oh, now we're in a good team again, and oh, we're just going to open a can, and we're just going to go through it, we're going to win, we're victorious. And then, oh, man, did, did you see that? Did you just see him going to the, oh, oh, no, he's gone. Just, I, I mean, imagine what they're thinking to see their great leader leave them. And, you know, we, again, we talk about celebrities. Um, 
You know, when you talk about famous celebrities, even Christian celebrities, let's be honest, you can bring your Billy Graham, you can bring your Pope, you can bring whoever you want. There is no one who got swag like Jesus. I mean, there no one in history who could lead like Jesus. Give me your greatest church leaders. They got nothing on him. I mean, I, I would say unabashedly, he's like the greatest leader ever. Jesus Christ himself, fully God, fully man. I mean, how do, how do you beat that? But here's the crazy thing as this author, Luke, introduces this book to us. That the greatest leader, I think none of us would argue of all time, Jesus Christ himself, even his physical presence will not be required for the mission of God to be accomplished. Even the physical bodily presence of Jesus himself will not be required for his people to do what he has called them to do. Now, you need to hear me correctly because otherwise we'll go into some heresy here. Um, I'm not saying that Jesus isn't part of the story any longer. I mean, he's still part of the story and, you know, you have two books of the Bible, Luke and Acts. The, the author, Luke, he's very clear. This is not meant to be like two separate stories. Like this book, Luke, is about Jesus. And then now this book, Acts, this is about the church. For Luke, even for us, though we have two books, it's one continual story. It's one continual idea. It's all about Jesus. I mean, realistically, though Jesus might only be given a few verses of bodily presence here in Acts, his ministry is apparent throughout the whole thing, even if his body might not be there. And, and the story continues. It's a story that started in Luke. And it's going through Acts. And here's the amazing part, guys. The story is still continuing now in 2015, even here in Baltimore. And here's the thing that will really rock your brain. You're part of that story, too. You and I, Village Church, us sitting here in Baltimore, 2015, we are part of that story as well. So I, I just want to be crystal clear that when I'm saying that Jesus is not present in bodily form, I'm not saying that doesn't mean he's not there. Jesus, when he ascended, it doesn't mean he's absent, and it doesn't mean he's inactive throughout the rest of the book. Rather, he's working from a different place. We would say at the hand, right hand of the Father. He's still working and active, though he might not be there in body. Does that make sense? Just, just for you to know. So Jesus is laying it down very clearly to his followers Yo, guys, even though I might not be there with you, I'm, I'm going to leave. But you will receive everything that you need to get done what I'm calling you to do. You are going to receive exactly what you need to do it. Even if the purpose is not fully clear to them. And you can tell here when you look at it that for Jesus' followers, even though they've been hanging with him for these different years and even these 40 days, they, they still don't fully get what it's about. Because in Acts 1.6, it says there, they ask, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Basically, for Jesus' followers, they still believed that when Jesus was talking about kingdom, he was talking about nationalistic kind of um, uh, geographic lines, that he was talking about the kingdom of Israel as a geographic thing. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about, and he's trying to transform their understanding of what kingdom means. He's not talking about merely a national kingdom. And, and as I, even as I say that, I know for some of you, you're thinking right now, yeah, Jesus wasn't into those political stuff. He's not into like modern politics of geographic lines. Jesus, this, he's, he's talking about heavenly kingdom. He's talking about like something else. Um, I don't know if that's quite right either. I don't think he was just talking about earthly kingdom. I don't think he was also just talking about a heavenly kingdom either. Because the disciples, they were reflecting views that are still common today. Uh, views that might say, like, the kingdom of God. It, it's like the disciples, they were hoping for political power. 
And in, even today, some people, they view Christianity as a means to achieve, like, utopia on this earth. So some people will view Christianity as a means to achieve full unity of, say, ethnicities. Or to fully alleviate a misogynistic, um, you know, sexist thought. Or fully alleviate inequality. Or fully break down lines between the poor and the rich. And to equalize all that. Fully erase war. And again, these are all things that we should be working for. I would, I would suggest these are things that we should be um, giving our lives towards. But the reality is, on this earth, until Jesus comes back... It's never going to be fully a utopian kingdom. It's never going to be all that it was meant to be. But at the same time, you've got some thought about looking at the earthly kingdom, but you also look at these disciples staring up in the clouds looking for Jesus. They're just looking up at Jesus. And I, it cracks me up when the, the angel's like, yo, what y'all still looking up at the sky for? He's gone. You get, get to work here because there's... Un, some, some Christians, they might be fully into that Jesus is trying to set a political kingdom. Others are, they're just staring at the clouds at Jesus. It's all about, yo, this world is jacked up. I'm just going to worship Jesus. I wish church was every day. I just wish I could stand in a Bible study every day because this world is messed up. I can't wait to get to heaven. Um, there's a problem with that because Jesus has also kept us on this earth to, to make a difference on this earth to live out his principles and to live out his kingdom here. So it's not fully one of this. The problem with the first one is that it's too earthly focused. The problem with the other one is it's too heavenly focused because the full reality of what Jesus' kingdom means, and um, a a theologian, N.T. Wright, writes about this. He he talks about this fact that the, the kingdom of God is that Jesus came. Jesus came and he did his work. He lived his life. And it's not by taking people away from the earth. It's not by getting all his followers and get them out of here to take them to the real place. Rather, it's to have them here, but change their hearts, transform their hearts so that they're in this world and they're living out the kingdom of God. And it's, it's already been brought by uh, the reign of Christ, but it's not fully expressed yet. But the people are meant to be here, bringing the sphere of the earth into the presence of God under the rule of God and heaven itself. So what's this, what's this mean practically? How's this new kingdom going to look? As verse 8 describes here, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They were being sent as witnesses. So in those days when there was a new king or there was a new uh, a military leader, you would send out people to announce that there was a new king. There was someone in charge. So in the same way, Christ was sending out his followers to say, hey, there's a new king, and this is a good king. This is a king worth giving your allegiance to. How will they accomplish this mission? They are promised to receive power in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the person of God himself, and this whole idea of Trinity, we'll dig into it more for the purposes of today. God is one but God is in three persons. I know that's really confusing. We're going to dig into it more. God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is also the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, it was evidence that God's kingdom had come. That Jesus had died on the cross, he rose again in victory, and he established his kingdom. And when he ascended, the Holy Spirit came to the people. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I mean... A room like this, I'm guessing we got a lot of different beliefs about the Holy Spirit. We can debate about a lot of things. I think for today's passage, I think the most obvious purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit is to empower these Christians in their mission to be witnesses as they follow Jesus. Basically, as they go to tell people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit gives them power to do that. 
So you see it here. It's described in Acts 1.8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Basically, it's like concentric. It's not fully a geographic, but it's, it's starting inward and moving outward. So you start with your own city, Jerusalem, and move outward and ultimately to the ends of the earth. One of the things I love about this, Acts 1.8, it shows us that the gospel is for all peoples. Sometimes there's some people that have a problem with Christianity saying it's only for certain color people or, or certain people born in certain countries. But what this says is that the gospel is a leveling field for you wherever you're born, whatever you look like, how much money you had, whatever religion, religious family you were born into. The gospel is a leveling field. I love it when we talk about multiculturalism. That's Acts 1.8. But, but I want to take one quick moment here to just focus on this idea of Jerusalem. And often when you hear reach your Jerusalem first... Um, sometimes it's spoken of in like, reach your friends, like reach your, reach the people you hang out, maybe your family, your social circles. And that's part of it. But I would suggest Jerusalem, if, if that was Jerusalem was, it's actually kind of off because Jesus' followers, they were from Galilee and Jerusalem was not their home. Jerusalem was not their natural place where they were. They were from Galilee. They were coming to a foreign place here. So what Jesus is saying, when he's saying, reach your Jerusalem, he's saying, reach the city that you are in right now, even if it's not your native city. Reach the city that is the cultural center of Israel, which is Jerusalem. What that means for us when we think about who your Jerusalem is, it's not just like your family. Your Jerusalem, if you're a college student, it's the cultural centers of your school. So if you're a student, maybe it means it's the Greek system. And we, we, we don't really think like that, right? But where are some of the centers of culture in your, in your spheres of influence? Maybe for some, uh, this is going to freak some of us out, maybe in our neighborhood, and some of you, if you're from the neighborhood, you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it means we start praying for some of the major drug dealers in our neighborhood. Like, that's the cultural center. That's where power and influence comes out of. And we start praying for these different areas of influence. In your neighborhood, maybe that means you start getting involved and in praying for, like, community centers or, or community boards, people who have an influence on what's going on, and start praying for your Jerusalem and making an impact there. And that might include your family and friends. But, guys, I'd suggest it goes beyond that. So we go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Basically, it's going outward. And, and these followers of Jesus, they were given a very clear mandate that the kingdom of God was not supposed to be spent like this, looking up at the heavens, just, just kind of standing on the mountain and saying, oh, Jesus, praise Jesus. I mean, that's good. That's part of it. But it was very clear that the mission of God was about taking that word and going out further and further and further, ultimately to the ends of the earth. And guys, you know what that means? That includes you and me here because all of these cats, they ultimately died. Their ends of the earth ended pretty quickly. You and I continue that in going beyond places where previous generations have until we hit the whole earth with the message of Jesus. All right, here's why I'm, I'm like hammering this right now. And you guys are like, okay, well, that makes sense. Here's why. Um, it's just weird to get it wacky in church world. It's just, it's just too easy. So I was at one church, and they were uh, having me doing a little bit of consulting for them as they were seeking to be on mission and grow. And they basically were saying, yeah, we, we've stagnated. We need to hit a certain point. So I, I just asked them questions. So what's your, what's your strategy of growth? What's your strategy of how you're going to reach more people? And I didn't mean just numeric growth. I mean, that's part of it. But I meant how are you just going to reach people who are not part of this church? And, and the guy, he looked at me, and he said, well, you know what? We've got like 15 youth group kids here. 
And man, in like 10 years, they're going to be the leaders of this church here. In, in 10 years, man, we're, we're just going to do well with them. We're going to raise them up. And man, imagine how big we're going to be once they all hit adult age. They're all going to be, man, we're going to be booming. I was like, well, okay, that's all. Well, we don't want to lose youth group kids. That's admirable. You know, we still want them to be in church. That's good. But you're not reaching new people. You're not, you're, you're just reaching the same church people. You're just shifting people around from this fellowship into this. You're not reaching new people here because we have to reject this cultural climate that we keep faith to ourselves. And, and you might not know it, but that's just reality. We live in a cultural environment where you talk about digging wells, people will clap, right? You talk about helping AIDS orphans, all oh, people will stand up and like applaud. You talk about feeding the hungry in a neighborhood, everyone's going, oh, that's what churches should be doing. And then you talk about, well, we need to let people know that Jesus is the only way to life. Oh, you bigot. <laughs> Keep that to yourself. You don't, faith is a personal thing. And I understand what people are talking about. There needs to be respect. But there's also got to be that sense that we recognize Christian faith is never something that's meant to be just about biological DNA. That if you grow up in a nice church family, then somehow you get this message. You've raised by good mommy and daddy who take you to all the VBSs and all that stuff. But the Christian faith is about having more people become family. Even if it wasn't their DNA. And having spiritual DNA that changes. You know why I'm so passionate about that? Because I look at a room like this. If this is not true, if, if Christian faith is just about what kind of family you're born into, like half of you aren't in this room right now. Right? If it's just about being raised in a good church family and, and being raised in a good, half of you aren't in this room because in your life, you had someone who loved you, whether it was, uh, maybe it was a family member, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a church, maybe it was an outreach. They loved you, and though you didn't have that background, though everything humanly was projecting you to totally dismiss God, God used people in your life to make you part of the family, and now you're sitting here in Baltimore in a church service praising him. And that's why I'm so passionate about this. And that's why the church, we need to continually be thinking about the mission God has called us in. We can never get comfortable in a holy huddle. We can never be comfortable and just be with one another saying, oh, look how much we love Jesus together. If more and more people, that's not becoming their story as well. And here's the thing. Okay, I'm, I'm totally passionate about that. You can tell, right? My, my like endorphins are like this right now, right? I, when I start talking about it, I get really hyped. I get really excited. But here's the thing I know is when you're sitting there on that side, you're just like, oh, it's like you're in a fight and you're just clinching up, right? You're like, bap, bap, bap. Okay, 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 okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, I should love people more. Oh, yeah, yeah, I should tell more people. Oh, boom. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I should do it. And you, you can either feel really guilty. You're like, yeah, I, I, man, I should be doing that. Oh, I, I really should. And then maybe you'll even feel it for like 20 minutes after service. You're like, okay, is there someone for me to talk to right now? I'm, I'm really feeling it. And then it wears off because you get hungry and like lunch. And we forget. And, and you're just either guilt, guilt-ridden when it talks about sharing our faith or you feel anxious about it. Like you just start to get that like anxiety in your stomach. Or this is sometimes worse. Sometimes we'll bring up, bring up someone like to the front to share about their heart to evangelize and to share their faith. And they're just like the type that they can just be talking about anything. Oh, you know, have you watched the latest episode of Mad Men? Do you see how Jesus fits into that? And people are like, oh, can I follow Jesus too? And you're like, What? <laughs> Like, how does that happen? Like, and, and, and it makes you feel like dumb, makes you feel like not as spiritual, makes you feel like certain people are really good at it. And, you know, some people are gifted, but somehow that that's only certain special people, but that's not really realistic for all of us. And I want to be really clear. When we're talking about being witnesses for God, for the power of Christ, 
This is not meant to be a guilty thing like, you slackers, you know, sitting here all religious pious going and wasting time watching your Netflix and eating your pizza and going to movies and, you know, just how many hours a week, 168 hours that God has given you and you're just wasting them all. You could be talking to people. Don't you care that people are dying right now and their souls are, and all you're doing wasting. Uh, yeah, we could do all that and you could just feel miserable about yourself. Yeah, I'll give it to me. Oh, yeah, okay. okay. I, I don't think that's what God is trying to do here. I, I, I don't. Christ talks about freedom for joy, that he wants to set us free. And, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to show this little video, I think, that kind of encapsulates what I'm talking about here. And now to honor America and salute the men and women serving our country with our national anthem, please welcome, as voted by you, the fans, our winner of the Toyota Get the Feeling of a Star promotion, Natalie Gilbert. You are not aware that's Coach Mo Cheeks there, and I, I love him just not because he just played for the Sixers in my uh, youth, but he was coached. I think that night during the playoffs, he became a lot of people's favorite head coach in the middle of this national. And this is a playoff game, so what, 20,000 people? And you just forget the words, and you feel out there all alone. You feel like, what are you going to do? And, and he walks over, puts an arm around, and he reminds her she's not alone. You're not doing this by yourself. And, you know, I, I, I get emotional whenever I watch it because it, it just feels like life. Because, yeah, we hear about being a witness. We hear about going out and being on the mission of God. And I don't know about you, but I feel kind of like I can't do that. I feel like I don't have the words. I don't feel smart enough. 
I feel like people are going to kill my argument. I feel like I'm not spiritual enough. I feel like I'm not devoted enough. I feel like I don't have enough time. I feel like, how, how am I supposed to love other people when I'm just trying to take care of myself? How, how, all of these things, and you feel like you're so out there, but what the Holy Spirit reminds us is that you were never meant to be out there on your own. But it's the Holy Spirit that gives you your power to live the mission of God. Amen? That's not ultimately about, come on, Bob, you go out there and be courageous. Come on, Sally, go. Don't you love Jesus enough? Come on, go do it. Ultimately, it's about saying none of us, none of us are, are <laughs> none of us are, have the, in the pay scale to change a person's heart. <laughs> none of us have the capacity to change another person's soul. Only God can do that. Only God's spirit can do that. What you do is you trust him to do that, and you just be obedient to say, if he's going to give you the power, you just go love people. You just go talk to people, and you don't have to worry about changing a person's heart. You just be obedient to what God will do. In power and in might. And, and having said that, I want, I, you need to listen to me carefully. I want to be really careful here, and you need to listen to me carefully. Sometimes we ask ourselves, man, I just don't feel like I'm experiencing the power of God in my life. I feel like I'm just, I'm just going through the motions and all this. And sometimes that's just life. And, and you might actually be experiencing the power of God, but you're just in a low place and you don't know you're experiencing the power of God. The power of God is what's keeping you from totally going pagan. I mean, that's the power of God and you don't even know it. But I'm going to suggest that other times, the reason that you might not fully feel like you're experiencing the power of God is, let's be real, you're not living a life that really requires the power of God to be evident in your life. You're living a life that you can totally do on your own. You're living a life, you don't need Jesus because you're just got, you're taking care of it. And I'm not, I want to be really careful. I'm not saying God's going to withhold his power from you. He's going to withhold his spirit from you. But I will say that there's no reason for you to need the power of the Holy Spirit if you're not living a life that's going to require the power of the Holy Spirit. All to say, I, I, I will suggest that when you go out and you do the work of God, you go love people, you go on mission, you go to your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, you go in your weakness, you go in your frailty, you go when you feel like you're shaking like this, like holding on, you feel like that, you feel utterly incapable, you feel utterly maxed out in your schedule, you feel utterly unspiritual, you feel like everything is clouded, you feel like you have no capacity for anyone else, you feel like you don't have the ability, you don't know. When you go like that, you're giving a whole opening to say, Holy Spirit, I need your power because I have none of my own. And I'm going to suggest that's when we often experience the power of God moving in our lives. And I think it's the same thing for our church. Um, I love a few weeks ago, we were at our, a vision retreat for our leaders, and we were talking about how God has continued to grow this diverse, multicultural church here. And one of our leaders confessed to me, he's like, yeah, you know, a couple of years ago, you used to always talk about being a diverse, multicultural church. I thought you were crazy in Hamden. I mean, I, he, he admitted to me, admitted it now. But, I mean, what we're doing here is kind of nutty. I mean, it, it really is. And people have told me flat out like seven years ago, that's going to fail. You're never going to be able to, you're never going to be able to draw diverse peoples of different ethnicities. You're never going to be able to get people to cross cultural boundaries. You're never going to get people from a neighborhood together with transplants. You're never going to get people with different levels of education. You're you're never going to be able to yell at people for 50 minutes and have them come. (laughs) But the thing is, um, Often, what 
everyone else says is crazy is an opportunity for God to show off. What other people say is impossible is an opportunity for God to say, whoa, 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 hold up. You don't know who you're talking about here. I'm God, the great I am. Seriously, impossible? Have you seen waters? Like, have you seen bread and fish? Have, yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously? Have you seen like resurrection? Like, I, I, seriously? And you're saying impossible? Really? I don't, I don't think so. I love this quote from a church where uh, they say, attempt something so great for God that it is doomed for failure, lest he be in it. Let me say that again. Attempt something so great for God that it is doomed to failure, lest he be in it. And my prayer for Village Church, and you need to keep our leadership accountable to this, is my prayer that at our church, God will always lead us into a mission that makes us look at each other and say, hey, there is no way this is going to happen just by us working harder this week. There is no way that what we're trying to do is going to happen just because we put an extra 10 hours a week in there. There is no way this is going to happen just by hiring another staff. Or there's no way this is going to happen just because we have a cool website. Or because we get a hipper band. Or, or because we go to a relevant church growth strategy. This will never happen. Um, it will require a supernatural empowerment of God's Holy Spirit within our midst for this to happen. Amen? Like, we need to have a church mission. We need to have such a grand idea. And I'm not saying be dumb. I'm not going to say, well, let's just all jump off a building and let God prove himself by saving us. No, that's just stupid. But what I'm saying, according to God's will, if he's called us to be the church and to reach people and to love people, don't put limits on what seems unnatural, unreasonable, because the more it seems unreasonable, it gives us that much more opportunity to say, God, if you're not in this, don't even send us. If you're not going to do this, don't even send us. And that's why we worship. That, that's why we come here. That's why we sing. That's why we pray. That's why we gather in groups, not merely to be religiously pious, but to say, Lord, if you don't go with us, we have no hope here at all. Without your empowering presence, this will be impossible. And that's why we sh- sing to God. That's why we pray to him, because we say we have no other choice but to cling to you because we're not that special. We need you, God. You're special. Bow your heads with me, guys. And as our our music team comes up to lead us to sing and and do that thing, just cry out to God. Man, sometimes I I pray about our city, and I'll be real. My flesh says, man, is this even worth it? Is this even possible? Seriously? How are we going to make a dent in this city? And God reminds us, you know what? I'll take care of that. You just be obedient, and you just do your work. You just follow me, and I'll, do the, I'll, I'll change the hearts. You just be obedient and do what you need to do. Go out into your Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and I'll take care of the rest. So can I ask you, as you sit here, what in your life that it just, you just feel like, man, I, I, I can't do this. Man, I, how am I supposed to talk to my neighbor about Jesus? I, I, I tremble when I'm going to ask for a rake. Seriously? How am I going to love my classmates? How am I going to love the Greek system in my school when I'm just trying to survive and pass my test next week? Seriously? How am I supposed to love different uh, moms in my neighborhood when I'm just, like, struggling just to have my kid not turn out to be a delinquent? Seriously? I'm going to ask you, bring your vulnerability to God right now. Bring your inability to God right now. Bring all of the ways that you feel you cannot represent God well and bring it to God because God loves to use people who feel that they are too weak to represent him because he's going to shine through them.
in our dependence, God would shine himself and glorify his own name. We would give him opportunities to make him famous. So can we pray for our city? Pray for your own heart, though. What's, what's making it hard for you? And let it be opportunity not to feel worse about yourself, but to lift your eyes to God and see your great Savior. So let me pray for us. Lord, help us as we come to you. Help us, Lord, to remember the cross, to remember this message that looks like a foolish one, that through death would come life. That seems ridiculous, but that's how you changed our lives. And that's how you're going to continue to change lives through this church. And I pray for us here. God, I'm, I, I'm, I know there are some churches out there that are just so impressive looking and have so many great resources and all that. And, and we've got a lot here. But honestly, God, sometimes we look at ourselves and we just feel like we're, we're what are we going to do? That if it's not you, really, what are we going to do? So we appeal to you, God of this universe, make yourself famous here in Baltimore and in Hamden and in the village and each one of our lives here, Lord. Shine, God, so that you might be made much of. And in our weakness, you might glory your own name, Lord. So help us as we sing right now to sing as people who are crying out for you to make yourself famous in our midst. As we come to the table, let us remind ourselves of the one whose life was given so that life could be given to dead people, broken people, Lord. And that's the message we have to give to a lost generation. Help us, Lord. So I want to ask you to pray, and if you want, if you're a Christian, come up during this time and receive the Lord's Supper as well. Take a piece of the middle bread and dip it in either of the cups and be reminded of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that makes all this possible. And that Jesus sends us his promise that we win through his Holy Spirit. And and make that your prayer as well. Let's pray for the power of the Spirit in our midst. So let's respond in song and prayer and in communion.